away from our 103rd episode, I think, which means this is episode 102. Um, as you can tell, I'm not Adam, I'm Alex. Adam is not with us today, he's at a wedding. Um, Matt is probably fast asleep by now, because uh, it's his bedtime. But instead, we have um, Ant and Ben. Ant, I'll start with you. How are you doing? I'm in a very good mood. We won this morning. Brilliant. So yeah. Spoilers. the Spoilers. game ended at 1. I think we ended up leaving <laughs> the bar at maybe 5, so about four hours later. So nice. um, I apologize in advance for any slurring that might occur during this recording. <laughs> good. No problem with that. Um, ben, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Um, got a got a public holiday tomorrow. Well, not a public holiday, but my office is closed tomorrow for Diwali, which yes. I'm quite happy about. Then this morning I saw a turtle, which is cool. Ooh, okay. I mean that's that's good good memories. Is and that, then I is that a big sorry, deal? Yeah. Is that a big deal, Mauritius? Though. Uh, yeah, relatively. I think I've seen about three since I've got here. So oh, okay. yeah, I guess if I went out. Like I'm not because the turtles are sort of nor- on the north, and normally when I go out on the water, I'm on the east. So. Yeah. Okay. I see. Okay. I, I feel like you should have sent the center a photo though, just yeah. at least, at least on the legend. Oh, I didn't. I didn't take a photo of it. I'm I'm such a bad millennial. Like I never take photos of anything. I think Joe is <laughs> a photo. You're the grand dragon. This is your responsibility. Hmm. Yeah. I know. Like now, now I feel like an idiot, but. Yeah, um, and then uh, I actually I went and watched the rugby with Michael Childs, who was remember he came on to uh, yeah. tell us about England. Yes, how's Michael? Yeah, so we, yeah, so we we finally met up. Uh, yeah, really nice, proper, properly knowledgeable about rugby. I was very impressed, Michael. Mm. If you're listening, good job. I'm sure he's not listening, so you can, uh, you can tell us the truth about him. He's he's an absolute no guy. flip. Uh, he's a I, bastard, I go, isn't he? He's definitely a bastard. Yeah, what a prick. Um, <laughs> No, like, um, so I, I go there and it's like, um, so he's like, no, come to, like, I'm, I'm at my folks' house. So he's like, do you, do you mind, um, mm-hmm. do you mind, like, coming there to, uh, to watch the rugby? I was like, oh, I don't care as long as there's a TV. And then his, I meet his dad and his dad's like, oh, Ben, I listen to you all the time on the podcast. I'm like, do you? Are, are you fucking with me? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, pretty right, right up until the point where we called his son a dick. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, that, that's cool. His belly was quite good crack, actually. Like I reckon you'd appreciate mm. us calling his son a dick. No, but yeah, yeah. So, 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 thank, thank you, thank you for, thank you for hosting me, Michael and Michael's family. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed my time at your house. It was like a, it was like a classic South African, you know, all Brian watched the rugby, which, uh, which I have been missing a bit here. Nice. Okay. How much of the game did he spend, you know, kind of from, uh, discussing yesterday's game? Yeah. Uh, you know, a fair well. amount, but it it was the kind of game that if you didn't have any meat in, you would become a bit distracted. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's, that's true. Fair. Like, there was yeah. a lot of room for, for small talk. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get to that later. Um, just a heads up, if you are trying to avoid spoilers, um, that's weird, first of all. But second of all, we're going to do some news first, and then we're going to get into the two semi-finals. So, England, New Zealand. Oh, actually, let's do, let's do, um, let's do the Springbok game first, because I think right now. No, 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 not right now. But before we do the England, New Zealand one, 
Uh, oh, oh yeah, save, save the best for last. Yeah, like traditionally, traditionally we try and save the Springbok games for last, but I don't think we can make that claim this week. I think we'll save the best game for last. Um, but yeah. yeah, and finally, we'll we'll hazard a, a prediction for next weekend. Um, but okay, let's get right into it. Are you okay there, Ben? Yeah, I just said I want to have to make a prediction for next weekend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you don't have to. There's no there's no legal obligation. But um. the contract signed. Yeah, uh, don't check that contract too closely because Ben drafted it. So, uh, the only contract we sign is just uh, podcast revenues get split three ways. So yeah. that's why we, you know, so that's how we split all the money we make. Yeah. It might still end up in Japan. <laughs> yeah. Huh? That's the Patreon account. That's a separate. That's um. Oh, yeah, right. that, that's yeah. that's a, that's a whole separate. It's like a sponsorship, and you you, you don't really want to tangle into the legalese of this really I'll, but I'll, it's send, just... I'll send you the, the company organogram later and, and you can try and unwrap it but uh, it's very yeah, complicated okay. yeah, it's, it's basically a Ponzi scheme um, and Phil is, is... <laughs> it's basically a Ponzi scheme where, where everyone gets fucked over <laughs> yeah except for Phil um, oh and before I, before I forget we do have um, an episode of Fill Us In with Phil uh, which we'll, we'll slot in uh, just I think let's do it in between the two uh, games that we'll discuss. It's just a very brief clip of him telling us about his experience in the last week. Um, we are, of course, eternally jealous of, of Phil. Um, speaking of eternity... Sorry. What's going on there, Ben? Some fireworks. Oh, okay. Happy to value everybody. Um, right, into the news. Um, breaking. Uh, this came in a hot on the presses earlier this week. Israel Folau still homophobic. So that's Shocker. interesting. Absolutely yeah. shocked. Um, moving very swiftly on. Uh, Papergate is what they're calling it. Jakob Paper, very shortly after refereeing the Wales-France uh, quarterfinal last weekend, in which Sebastian Vahamina was, uh, I would say, uncontroversially red-carded. Um, it's probably the least controversial red card of the last five years. Yeah, I would say so. That's, that's probably a good shot. Um... Anyway, he was then photographed with uh, some Welsh fans, sort of making a taking the piss out of the incident, with his elbow up, and they all had their elbows up, whatever. Um, I don't know if Adam covered this in his solo episode because I didn't listen to it, but uh, yeah, that I think most people accept that was, and and World Rugby have said as much that Jakob Paper was then withdrawn from the refing pool for the remainder of the tournament, and in hindsight we can say okay, that you know, no harm done. But during the week, I think there was a fair amount of concern that that might have very real ramifications for the Springbok team. Um, because what it meant was that Paper wasn't available to ref the England-New Zealand game, which would have allowed Owens... Oh no, Owens couldn't have refed our game. But we could have had uh, Barnes refing our game, but he was available anyway. So maybe it didn't change anything. Hmm. I don't think it... I don't think it changed much. I think yeah. it was just more just kind of slight against Paper in his own career. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what what's your what's your take on it, Ant? Like, do you think he it was a uh, fair punishment? Look, I mean, it, I think I mean, look, it was obviously a silly decision from him, given just you know the way people would react to it. But obviously, I don't think it was anything malicious. I don't no. think it could suggest there's any conspiring against the French team. You know, mm. like. 
I think it, I think a lot of people are making a lot more out of it than necessarily needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. Same time, it was you know it was just a poor choice from him to do that because like obviously people are gonna blow it up, blow it out of proportion. Like yeah. it was his fiftieth game. The guy had obviously had had a couple of beers to celebrate, which is fair enough. Some Welsh fans were like, hey, let's you know let's make a bit of a joke, and you, you kind of go with it. Um, yeah. And yeah, as you say, it, it was probably the least controversial red card. It wasn't a 50-50 decision. No. It couldn't have been premeditated. It's not an agenda against the French. It just was some fans making a bit of a joke about it. Um, yeah. But yes, at the same time, it was just poorly, you know, a poor decision from him in the moment. Right. Because yeah. of the obvious ramifications. Yeah. So, I mean, it, 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 it does raise a question about uh, respect, I suppose. Because he's a professional referee. It's It's likely that he's going to have to or be in a position to be refing France again in the future. And it shows... It, you might argue that it indicates he doesn't kind of you know, care about their World Cup fortunes. So it's a bit insensitive. Um, so I don't think it, it, it reflects poorly yes on... No, the same time was also just a really stupid decision from Mahina to yeah. elbow someone in the face. No, of course, is, yeah. You know, if anything, that's what he's making light of. He's just saying like, this was yeah, the and, thing. in hindsight, if Armahina had just not elbowed the guy in the face, we wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah, sure, but yeah, I mean, that, that's, I mean... a, that's a different conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I think it wasn't bad taste. It was stupid. Um, I would say if, if say some someone like uh, Wainwright, who was the guy who got elbowed in the face, mm. if he had kind of, if he had taken a similar photo with the fans, would the the French probably still would have kicked up a fuss because it's, it's it's disrespectful. Yeah, but no, it, it is. But I mean, but Wainwright doesn't have a duty or an obligation to be respectful. Yeah. Right? yeah Whereas, true. like, you could argue the, that a ref is supposed to have a bit more decorum. Um, the, I don't the, know. There was also there was also a weird kind of narrative going around where it was like, um, how would you? Like they were like retroactively saying no. This shows that actually yeah. like. Piper was like it was weird. Huh? Yeah, there was someone. Exactly. That, that's what I think is ridiculous. I mean, it was yeah. an elbow to the face. That's a red card. So, you know, always. Like, yeah, but then, then no it, was, it was like it was like no. It shows he like his attitude was anti-French the whole time. And yeah. what chance did the French ever have? Like we demand a rematch. No, for real. Like there was there was someone on my there was someone on my Twitter feed who was, who literally straight up said this photo confirms match fixing. Yeah, and it wasn't. I, I don't want to say who it was because I don't want to give them airtime. But it was someone who's relatively prominent in, in like the rugby community. They, they tweet a lot about rugby. So you know that's the kind, of, the kind of attitude people are going to have. And then you know the same people will say, oh, you know the refereeing has totally ruined this World Cup. It was supposed to be a great contest, but instead we've been forced to to spend so much time talking about the referees instead of the games. But you know they're the ones who are pushing this narrative, like. I, I actually don't think there's been as much controversy about referees as the media and, and you know, even pundits like us have really made out. Um, like, there have been some dodgy decisions, but, you know, I would say the normal... Yeah, I would, I would, I would I say for the amount of minutes of rugby played, there have been an average amount of bad decisions. Yeah, agreed. Well, I, th- I think it was... Especially, especially at this stage where the good refs are refing. Well, where, you know, it's the best refs are refing every year. I think the first week was particularly bad, and then World Rugby came out and said, "Guys, refs have been shit. Pick up your socks." And then, kind of since then, there hasn't really been a single issue, to be honest. But uh, but I, I also think it was people adjusting to the new um, the new tackle protocol. 
You mean teams or fans? Fans. Yeah, that's fair. And, and Resodge. Yeah, and Resodge. I think once you set that precedent, I mean, uh, people have said this, is that changing protocols, you know, a couple of months before the World Cup is a ridiculous thing because all yeah. it means is that people's expectations are going to be completely misaligned. Mm-hmm. If they had instituted these rules, say, at the start of um, the Six Nations, if you play the Six Nations, all the Northern Hemisphere fans get on board with it. You yeah. play rugby championship, we all get on board with it. Then it comes to the World Cup, everyone's like on the same page. Yeah. If you change the directive just before the World Cup, suddenly refs are blowing things that they haven't blown before. Of course the fans are going to be confused. Yeah, I agree uh, everything okay there, Ben? You sound like you're fidgeting a lot. No, I'm getting some feedback, and James has just started crying, and my wife is running to tend to. Good job. God damn it, James. Okay. Oh, I, think um, I, I speak too loudly or something. He normally seems fine. I don't know what. I don't know. Maybe he just wants to party. Maybe he's just not a fan of the new high tackle protocols, but for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> moving on from Papergate to the decision that you know sort of um, sparked it, I suppose. The Vaha Mahina uh, red card was served before disciplinary committee earlier this week, and he was awarded a six six week slash six ba- a six match ban. Actually, not sure which one it is. Uh, let me double check. Did you say awarded a ban? Um, I, think, I mean, well, how, how would you put it? Given. Um, so the committee considered that the terms of the high tackle sanction framework were, were relevant. That seems a bit weird, like high tackle sanction. I mean, it wasn't a high, it wasn't a high tackle. Yeah, but it's all yeah. under that contact with the okay. well, contact with the head, sort yeah, of. It just seems um, like a bit of a misnomer. But okay. Uh, so first of uh, all, they accepted the player's admission, so he, he pleaded guilty. That there was a strike. There was direct contact between the player's elbow and Aaron uh, Wainwright's jaw. There are no mitigating factors. The committee upheld the red card and considered this to be top-end offending, which results in a starting point of a 10-week suspension. Okay. Now, take, <laughs> the statement reads, taking into account the mitigating factors, which, as you'll see earlier, yeah, they, they are none, none. <laughs> yeah, uh, that are considered in relation to the sanction, including <laughs> the, pa- the player's early and full acknowledgement of his conduct and proper apology to his opponent. How are those factors? Um, anyway, they reduced the 10-week entry point by four weeks, resulting in a sanction of six weeks. So they, they gave him a 40% reduction on his sentence. Because he said... Because well, he, he admitted said, guilt when 20 yeah. different cameras had him, like, caught it's, red-handed. I mean, I don't want to flog a dead horse, but I mean, for fuck's sake, like, how do you have a starting point of 10 weeks and then move it down by 40% when there's no mitigating factors? Like, that's so stupid. Yeah, apart from him saying sorry. Like, that doesn't mitigate anything. Like that's no, exactly. Yeah, like the mitigating factors are supposed to be like on field. You know, like he didn't know the guy was there. That's a mitigating factor. Um, but where, where was it? It was one of the Super Rugby bands where they're like they reduced the guy's ban because they're like no because he apologized or whatever. And then the yeah. guy was like I didn't fucking apologize. Like what are you guys on about? Well, I th- no, I think the, I think it was the 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 victim who came out and said if he apologized, then it wasn't to me. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So I think that yeah, no, no, but uh, so sorry. It's it it's uh, it just takes the piss because you know what? It, they're like whatever. He's mm-hmm. he's done for. Well, France are done for the World Cup. Like, why are we even bothering with this? I'm surprised yeah. he even bothered to have the hearing. To be honest. Well, exactly. It's a, it's a six week suspension, um, according to the statement. Not not six matches, which means that he will probably miss like one game of the of the Pro 14 or something or top 14. Um, 
Anyway, but um, the, that came on the heels of his announcement in any case, di- almost directly after the match, I think, that he was retiring from, from Test Rugby. He's only 28 years old. Um, how many caps does he have? Let me just quickly check this out. He doesn't have, I would say, if he has more than 20, I'd be surprised. No, he's got, surely got more than 20. More he's, got, he's got 46. Yeah, he's been around for a long time. Uh, I'm he, surprised. Surprise, Pikachu face. Okay. Um, yeah, so he, <laughs> he, he's he been playing for the national team since 2012. Um, but yeah, so retiring from the sport at the age of 28, uh, he looked he looked super upset when he went off for the red card, understandably. Um, probably not as upset as Aaron Wainwright was when he got elbowed in the face. But I reckon Aaron, no, Aaron, be less Aaron Wainwright won his team the game by taking Alba in the face. He's a fucking hero. Oh, you'd be stoked. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't so. even that hard. Like he's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so I I, I don't know. I, when I heard the news, I, my immediate thought was that he was. I don't know. Like it was a bit of a knee-jerk reaction, and he was so embarrassed and ashamed of what he'd done that he thought the only way he could kind of uh, apologize for it was to you know just quit Test rugby. Yeah, commit commit hard. Commit harikiri. Yeah. They're learning some things in, J- in Japan. Is that the not what well, you change your mind on that? Because that's still my opinion. I know it is my opinion. I just, I mean, I haven't heard anything since then, so it's, it's speculation. Oh, point. okay, sorry. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's that's why it, it comes across definitely. Yeah, but I mean, if so, that's I think that's reactive and hopefully not too not reflective that he's got, you know, a, a mental, you know, health problem because I think that is like an indica- indicative of not being in a good mental headspace. As a sportsman, you would like someone to but, come but, back but, from that and, and to but win, I'm win surprised. the Because you, you would like to think he, he went to his coach before this and, and said, listen, mate, like, um, I'm devastated. I've let the team down. I'm yeah. going to retire. And then as a coach, you should be like, listen, mate, you made one mistake. Obviously, it's shit, but you still got you still got another World Cup in you. You still got a, you know 50-odd caps of France in you. Don't retire. Like redeem yourself on the field instead. Like as a coach, you know yeah. that that speech that speech writes itself. Yeah. So so what what's wrong with the French systems that he's not going to his coach? Or maybe look, I mean, so Jacques Brunel. Like they are being fight with their coach at the moment. Yeah. So we already know that there are the fractures between the players and the coaching staff. Jacques Brunel, the current head coach, he's he's leaving this. That was his last game too. So, yeah. so, so when like, was like, retire, was, maybe encouraged it, maybe yeah, so, mm, when he was like, oh, I'm quitting Test Rugby, Jacques Brunel was like, hey, me too. So, <laughs> I don't know. Like, or maybe, maybe he's under pressure from the top 14 clubs, who knows? Maybe they were like, you know. Yeah, it could be. I mean, they've been same facing. Same with GS Yeah, like the same kind of thing we saw with. Um, no, but, but top 14 or, clubs don't really care if you pay for France because that those seasons don't really clash that much. Oh, I mean, the top 14 is going on at the moment, isn't it? Actually, yeah, the top 14 takes for fucking, it just goes forever. Jeez, you never want to play that league in Rugby Challenge 3. It takes four years of real time. <laughs> <laughs> so on the computer. Sorry, guys, I'm busy eating uh, leftover Mexican food from last night. I thought you were making lamb. Yeah, I am. I don't know why my wife just brought me some leftover flouter from Poncho's and Observatory. Why do you go to Why do you go to Poncho's? You live right next to um, mm. Fat Cactus. Which one yeah. do you live next to? Yeah, it is Fat Cactus. Their food's not that good. I don't like Fat Cactus. Oh. Oh. But anyway, there goes um, our sponsorship. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm angling for the Poncho sponsorship anyway. So. Um. <laughs> cool. Uh, so if, you know, farewell <laughs> to Sebastian Vaha Mahina. Hopefully, he reconsiders. But um, yeah. We'll see. 
Okay, um, what's next? We have, oh, uh, yet another retiree, um, this time far more prestigious. We pay tribute to David Pocock. Um, he's he's uh, quit rugby. I think, I think Adam probably mentioned that last week. But what he might not have mentioned is that David Pocock is considering a move into politics. Uh, and I think that's a great idea. He's already quite statesmanlike. Um, no, he, he does have a certain gravitas to him, doesn't he? Hmm, he does, and he's got a portfolio. Like he's, you know, he's been very active politically, so he's got, you know, a set of principles that he's are already associated with his brand. Um, and I think that's one of the the things that most politicians, even career politicians, struggle with. So yes, very interesting. Uh, so that's pretty much the whole news story, to be honest. But if you guys, if you guys could would had to guess which of the current Springboks in the squad would be most likely to turn in or become a politician post-rugby, who would it be? Are we allowed to say the obvious answer of Khaleesi? I don't think Khaleesi would do it. Well, I, I, don't think, I don't think he cares. Like, I don't think he wants... He doesn't... I don't think he wants I, that. Like, I don't think he wants to think like the, from a people's following perspective. I think no, no. I think I think he could be a... He, he could be a very successful politician. I'll I don't doubt that. Most likely, like to be or who would be most successful as? Who, who, who has a personality to become a politician? No, I think who would be most likely. <laughs> oh, okay. Um... Sure, that's tough. No, none of them really, to be honest. Like, I'm not. I, I, I do. I know we are joking about it. We're now saying that Skulk, Skulk Brits could become mayor of wherever quite easily. Mm. Well, yeah, but just like Khaleesi could quite easily just because everyone loves them, but that doesn't mean that they have the personality that would want to do it. I reckon Beast could do that. I reckon Beast has got the personality to. Do you reckon want Beast is go, going, ba going back to fix Zimbabwe? I feel like he could, though. I feel like he's got that type of, you know, want to just go back and fix things type yeah. mentality, maybe. He's got the charisma, but we, we've spoken in the past about his business interests. I think he's similar to Khaleesi, where he's got enough of a good thing going. I don't yeah, think I mean, I don't think he's necessarily drawn to it strongly. Yeah. What about Pollard? No, but no, no. I could see I Pollard. Don't, I don't know. Like as a, an MP for the Freedom Front class or something. <laughs> Let, let's not let's not associate Pollard with that without any prior knowledge. Cause... No, I just think he'd he'd look really good in the khakis. Oh, I think you know what I think Pollard would look good on an election post as well. He's got good hair. Mm. I'd He's back, a good-looking mm. lad, like yeah. I back uh, I back as a politician. Actually, seems like he'd be a. Quite He's a, a bit softly strategist. spoken though. You need someone who's quite a. Yeah. Did you see him backing away from who was it, Josh Adams? Yeah. I didn't yeah, but, that. yeah, they tried to pick a fight with him, and he was like, "Bro, just be cool." <laughs> Bro, um, I don't fight. Go, go talk to Ochi if you want to fight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay. Well, anyway, um, go well, David Pocock. Um, we won't do a full tribute, but I think it's fair to say he's one of the best, if not the best. Open yeah, and do you know? Do you know what? David Pocock deserved better than 2019 Australia to finish. David Pocock deserved to finish with 2012 Australia. Well, yeah. So to be so fair, you will good. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, like in, <laughs> in 20... the final of the World Cup, not too bad. Yeah. In, in 2011, they, I feel like they got further than they deserved to, due to him. So I feel like it kind of yes. it balanced out in the end. Um, but okay. Um, <laughs> another retiree, another open side, Heinrich Brousseau. Pocock's nemesis. 
Yeah, Pocock's nemesis, guys. Like, Dude, 2011 was, was basically like Pocock v. Yeah. And Brousseau just couldn't adapt. We were, we were talking about it on Twitter. So, yeah, Heinrich Brousseau's retirement following a, apparently quite a severe injury, or serious enough that he's decided to quit. And we yeah, but, saying, but he, he, he must have been close to just calling it a day anyway. Though. He, he's kind of faded it's away, right? Done, I mean, he's he's quite young. Um, can't be more. Where's he been playing, actually? He's been playing for the no Saints. Okay, so he's th- he's thirty three, which is is pretty much retirement age. Um, yeah. But you would have thought he could squeeze like another two years in Japan or something. But um, yeah. who, who, who was it the other day that announced their retirement through injury and they were like thirty seven or something? I'm trying to remember. It was like announced it because they'd had too many concussions, but they were like definitely like everyone had thought they'd actually retired anyway. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who it was. But, uh, alright, so 100% look, I mean, 2009, I think, his his 2009 season goes down as one of the all-time best seasons by any player that I've seen, actually. Uh, certainly for... Yeah, he, he, he was... He, like, invented stealing the ball, basically. Before <laughs> that, teams could just play infinite phases until a knock-on. Well, I mean, so he, was, he came into this, the team um, just after Jake White had left, I think, and, you know, Jake White infamously... Yeah said that the only thing he needed fetches Not for was, fetches, was yeah. to get him a beer from the fridge. And then under Peter de Villiers, Heinrich Brousseau, you really just switched it on and was stealing ball like at will. He was unstoppable. He was like a limpet. And the rule changes that we have today of um, showing space before you go for the ball were basically brought in, at least in my mind, um, as a way <laughs> to stop Heinrich, Heinrich Brousseau. Because he was just... They like, they, like, nerfed him. They nerfed him. Like, they literally... They straight up patched rugby and nerfed Heinrich Brousseau. Because Very he much, was yeah. just... He was OP. He was just completely overpowered. Um, and he couldn't adapt after that. That was his, his one weakness. Um, he turned out Yo, to be... Well, when the rules have changed to stop you doing the only thing you... Like, your, your special move. Yeah, but, I mean, like, we saw how Pocock, for example, was able to, to adapt. I mean, yeah, in Yeah, but Pocock, Pocock was more of a physical... Um, you know, Pocock was always a lot bigger and stronger than Brousseau. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, Pocock still found a way to effectively steal ball after the rule changes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, all the best to Heinrich Ra- uh, Rattel Brousseau. Um, Rattel? Yeah. Jeez. That's what they used to call him. That's a solid middle name. No, that's not his middle that's name. That's not his middle name. It's <laughs> the nickname. It yeah. would be a great middle name, though. I'm, I'm, I might put that into the hat. I'll consider that. Peter 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 Steph Detar Peter Steph Rato Detar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. I think it flows rather well. Um okay. Flowing rather well from the news to uh the second semi final of the weekend, which was this morning. Um we were recording this on Sunday afternoon. Springboks taking on Wales, Yokohama. Um it was never gonna be pretty, guys. We're talking about the two grindiest teams at the World Cup I think um, and the rain didn't play a big role but it was a little bit greasy out there and you know a lot of the time with teams in World Cups on tournaments like this you talk about uh, you know, sort of holding holding off on your best strategy but I don't think there was anything subtle about the approach that Wales and South Africa took to the semi-final they played their cards open on the table for everyone to see and the name of the game um, was Kick and Chase. So I'm hoping that's not the case. Get into that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll be interested to see, but uh, for the time being, 
I mean, we 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 haven't seen anything else from either team than you know skip and corner basically. So play the game with the enemies uh, half and hit them as hard as you can until they make a mistake. You bang the kick over from as far as 50 meters out, and you just keep the scoreboard ticking along until it's 80 minutes and you win. Um, that's at least what I was expecting. Um, I yeah I picked on Super. I did pick box by three. It was a late change. I originally said box by eight. Uh, and then after I, I posted my head-to-head on Twitter and Reddit and got bashed by a ton of Northern Hemisphere people, uh, I decided to revise it downwards. It turns out they were right. We, we I at least was underestimating the Welsh. So, yeah, the final score, obviously, um, what was it, 19-16, after a late penalty to, to Andre Pollard. Um, but what, what did you guys think of the game? Ant, what were your thoughts? Yeah, look, I mean, I think as much as anyone can say, it wasn't a rugby spectacular. There was a, a lot of kicking. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, there was a lot of just kind of shit play. Like, there was yeah. a lot of knock-ons. Yeah. I mean, as Chris said, it wasn't a great advert for rugby at one stage where it kind of was charged down, kicked, rather knock-on, like, in a row. Oh, I don't yeah. think either team particularly executed that well. I mean, and as much as we try to defend Faf, a lot of his, his kicks were still um, a bit too vertical. That being said, I think the South African game plan was definitely done the way it was meant to be done, in the sense that we were just trying to pin them back as much as we needed to get and keep getting scoreboard yeah. when we could. You know, South Africa were never behind on the scoreboard, which is, I assume, the plan. The plan, yeah. Um, well, I'm sure, I, isn't that always the plan? Like, hey guys, I don't think well, any team are like, hey guys, let's concede two tries and then... No, but, so what but, I, what but I mean New is, Zealand... My, my, my next point is that I really hope I just have this, I don't know, maybe it's just blind faith in Rossi in that there's, we have more to our bow if we need it. Like, for yeah. example, that move we did against New Zealand and Wellington. We haven't shown anything like that throughout the tournament because we haven't had to, because we've been winning. Yeah. So, I, maybe it's a very much a blind hope, but I really, really hope that we've just been keeping a lot of powder dry for the moment we need to. If we're keeping in front, then we're backing ourselves to stay in front, and if we're chasing a game, we can pull out one or two players to hopefully, you know, crack it. And, Basically, I feel like Rusty's been playing the long game for the final from the start and basically mm. saying, unless we really have to show what we can actually do, we're not going to show it. Yeah. I, I mean, it might be too much blind optimism, but that's what I'm hoping in that I think I hope that there's a couple more tricks up our sleeve um, that we haven't been showing because we haven't needed to, mm. because we've been winning with the, the most basic boring game plan we could play. Yeah. Okay, well, let's, we'll get to the... Yeah, let, we'll talk about that a little bit later, I think. But... Um... Do you think that this was an improvement on last week, and in in what respects? If so, Ben, I I think it was an improvement in last week as that we managed to keep the scoreboard ticking over. Yeah. Which obviously is to this kick and chase game plan. This is this is what it's about because yeah, you don't spend. Did, were we even in there twenty two apart from the try? Not really. Oh. Um. Yeah, not, not... What visits to 22, I would be surprised if we had more than five. Let me see here. We got that. Uh... That's probably right, yeah. We had two total attacks in the in our, in our the opponent's 22. Um, yeah, so... Yeah. But, okay, so... So, 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 so like, like, for that, if you like, okay, we weren't in the opponent... We were in the opponent's 22 twice, mm. and we managed to score almost 20 points. So that's... Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, not bad. When you when you think about it, England's dominant performance, which is being praised 
left, right, and centre, mm. they've scored 19 points as well, eh? Yeah. Do you want they to... were the 22nd than we were well well <laughs> and they, they were in the and, they were in the opponent's okay. stream two twice yeah. as well yeah no but also but they and they scored those points in exactly the same way huh? mm, one much. converted try and four penalties yeah pretty much yeah I so, mean, I, so I, I don't yeah, I... yeah. so uh, so for me following on from last week and i was I, co- I copped a bit of flack also for being a bit negative last week um which is fair enough uh but you're, you're a negative person, Alex. Yeah, that's true. Um, can't deny it. But, yeah, so for me, there were three big negative takeaways, which I think are objectively true, from last week's quarterfinal against Japan. Number one, uh, Faf... I, wouldn't, I don't think Faf kicking too much is a bad thing, unlike most people. I think he kicks the right amount for our game plan. Uh, but I think his kicks were not contestable. And it's a combination of them being a little bit too shallow so like Ant said too vertical and I don't think our chases are actually very good at chasing like we have a kicking game plan but we don't have kicking <laughs> very good no, no one bothered to learn how to chase yeah uh, I don't know it seems weird to me but like no, I think I mean added to that I think the Japanese were very good at shepherding like yeah. something that the Welsh do is that the Jap- Japanese really stopped our chases. They had three guys in front of every receiver on every ball, yeah. um, which stopped any of our chases contesting, whereas the Welsh didn't do that. So our kick, kick chase was a lot more effective today. Yeah, but I also, like, I felt Faf was kicking shallower today than than against the Japanese. No, I think... So, so I, 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 don't, me, I don't even feel that there was capacity to block the chases, because basically what was happening, it was getting skied, and then there yeah. were kind of Everyone just hang, 10 around. people around it. Yeah. yeah. But so so for me, last week, I felt very strongly that I could count on one hand the number of like of good box kicks from Faf, and the rest I thought were bad. This week, it, it seemed like the opposite. I thought there were only up to five times, less than five, but two or three times maybe, where I thought his kicks were really uncontestable, and which just went straight straight up all the rest of his kicks i thought were fantastic like he he his box kicks i thought in the first half were excellent they were constantly whenever we went out 22 his box kicks found the perfect touch as far as he could get it and that was really great um mm. also did you guys see his his little um touch finder right towards the end of the game at the end he yeah, always like skidded on the line I that was, was like, one of oh, the most beautiful you. touch finders i've ever seen it was just like was that just to me to me that that was that was when we won the game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That was the game. But, okay, so getting back to my mm. original point. So the first big negative that I took away from last week was fast kicking, which I felt was much improved this week. So that's a big tick. The second big negative I had was Andre Pollard's <laughs> goal, uh, goal kicking. Against Japan, he missed three kicks, I think. Three three or four kicks at goal, which is a big problem. Yeah. Like, against any other team, <coughs> you miss that many in a knockout, you're done for. Today? Yo, if he'd missed that many today, we wouldn't have even been yeah, in the game. Yeah, today, right? 100%, right? Um, he scored 12 out of our 19 points. No, yeah. What? 14, should he? 14. Yeah, 14, 14 out of 19 yeah, points. Um, so, I thought that was that was like a really excellent um, kicking performance from him. And that just shows, for me, that and the Faf thing show that they went away from the Japanese game feeling the same way I did, which was that those were problem areas that needed to be worked on. And they did the work they needed. And they worked on them, yeah. They worked on it, and they come back, and they get 100%. And really, like, 100% kicking in a, in a knockout game isn't that isn't too much to ask for. So, uh, yeah. it's good, it's good yeah. that they're aware of that. The third big negative I had coming away from the, J- the Japan game was Vili Leroux. And hmm. I'm interested That has not changed. I'm interested to hear what you guys... Let's not give us too much in. Well, 
so do you so first of all do you think he's a problem and if so, I, mean, what, I think what his error rate is now officially too high like it was last week yes you know the amount of just unnecessary knock-ons he's giving away yeah. cannot be stomached at an international level yeah um you kind of play as dropping balls cold you know in the touch lines yeah like that's just not okay you can't have players I mean, I know Fuff did it as well, but that's just really just, that's inexcusable, to be honest. Yeah. Like, knock-ons happen, but the amount of balls that he's just dropping cold is, is just, you know, not okay. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, right? I mean, we, we've we always had this love-hate relationship with Billy. As yeah, because we've always considered him a high-risk, high-reward. Like yeah, you. That, that's been the deal. But that high-risk is normally about he's going to kick a cross-kick that maybe slight, sometimes is overcooked. Yeah. Like, that's the type of risk that we normally talk about when we're referring to Billy, not a... Oh, if you pass him a straightforward ball, he's going to put it on the floor. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just checking the stats now. Um, where have we got turnovers conceded? So, all right, the official stats only have him at, at one turnover conceded, which is errors. That's a lie. There were but at least not, two knock-ons. Yeah, there were at least two like flat-out knock-ons. Um, so I don't know about that. Interestingly enough, also Vlilu zero tackles made, zero tackles attempted. That's kind of weird. Um, well, they didn't really break our line much, to be fair. Yeah. He's the only player who didn't make a tackle in either team. Oh, no, wait. Uh, Gareth Davis. Yeah, but they were that, that first little breakout of them, he mm. needed to come up into the line, but he didn't actually make the tackle. Yeah. Or need to make the tackle. So, so yeah. you know, I mean, look, so the fullback doesn't really make tackles if they're not breaking the line, so fair enough. Yeah. Okay, so so that, that for me is, is, is something that we need to have in the back of our minds, that there is still room for improvement. This obviously wasn't a perfect execution of our game plan. Um, but oh, but let's, let's move on to um, Sabu and Corsi. So, obviously, in the lead-up to the game, Springboks had the bad news that Chesson Colby's ankle wasn't quite 100%, and we were very fortunate to be able to have Sabu and Corsi as his replacement, who I think we all agree is, you know, easily a test winger. So he's, yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's world-class. The yes. problem is he's behind. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So... So how do, how do you how do you think he went on it? How do you think he performed? I like the variation they played. You know the fact that they brought him in at first receiver a lot to play crash ball. I yeah. think that was quite a nice mix up. Um, yeah. I don't know if the Welsh were expecting it or not, but he was certainly incredibly effective at it. He got over the advantage line yeah. very very well. Earned a couple of penalties. Yeah. Um, so that mixing it up worked very effectively. I think he was good under the high ball, and I don't think I noticed him having any kind of mistakes. Mm. I mean they they they. they there was space on his wing, but that's been a, a you know symptom of our defensive pattern yeah. for a while. So I don't know if that's more than just he was you know hasn't played for a little while with these this specific set of players. Yeah, that it was. A, but again, yeah, you know, with we, with, with that, down relatively quickly, so it wasn't really a big problem either way. Um, so when, yeah, I can't see where he was poor. When there was that that forward pass, yeah, the Davies. That was that was his. He was too. He was too. He wasn't wide enough, basically. Well, so so it's it's tricky, right? Because as Ant points out, like that is the system. But what I saw yeah. is he hesitated. He he didn't commit. So what he needed to do was either stay wide and watch for the long pass, or he just needed to rush in on Davies to take away the option of the long pass in the first place. And he it almost seemed like he thought he could hang about in the in no man's land halfway through the two options, and then possibly go for an interception like he, you could see him in his mind he thought he could maybe go for an interception yeah, and he hesitated well, for a split second and, and that was all it took if he just committed to the rush defense in the first place 
then Davies would you have think that's for us. What happens when you haven't played? You no, know, no, no, I do think it's a rustiness. We haven't played yeah. this specific group of players either. Yeah, like, no, hundred percent. You know, it's not a, it's not a, like that's an easy thing to fix. So yeah, yeah no, like, I, I I, I, it's definitely, it's definitely not. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I never wanted to see a Springbok jersey again, kind of thing. No, no, but, no. And if that's like worst... I, I do think we we have to acknowledge he made a mistake. Yeah, he, he made a mistake. But if that's the worst thing we can say about him in a game where you know he, that's not he a bad performance up, to be honest. It's, it's a semi final. Yeah. yeah, you've been a dirt tracker effectively. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I like I, I agree with you 100 Anto. When they're bringing him in on attack in a, in a completely different way to the way they use Colby, and that for me shows a little bit of what we we're saying that Rossi's got a little bit more up his sleeve than you might expect because he clearly had a plan. He's got plan for Colby on the right wing, plan for Nkosi on the right wing. Um, so, you know, going back to the discussion about Vili, if assuming Vili got injured and we had to play, let's say, Francois Stein or Damien, Damien Villiers at fullback, we can't... Or Colby. I don't think... Or Colby, sorry, or Colby at fullback. I don't think we can any longer rely on the oh, it's too late to change things now argument. Because for me, you, that's not giving Rassi enough credit. We have to assume that Rusty's thought about that scenario and he's got a plan for it, and it'll change the way we approach the game. So I think everything's everything's available at this point, in other words. Um, but okay, let, let's talk about the Welsh for a little bit. Um, otherwise, people like Matt will get upset at us uh, for not talking about the other side. Um, they, I mean, Dan Bigger, I thought was was really impressive. I thought he was actually head and shoulders above the rest of their backs. Um, they obviously saw the air raid attack coming and were, I would say, suitably prepared for it. Uh, they were. Yeah, no, they, they were very good under the high ball. Well, they. Yeah, I, I, thought I, I don't think I don't. I wouldn't say that because they remember how many knock-ons they had in the first half, in particular. Like they had two or three times where they just jumped up cold and knocked the ball on when they weren't even under that much pressure. There was the one where Peter Steph made contact with. Uh, I, don't know, I can't remember if it was Adams. Um, oh, yeah. and there was like a bit of debate about whether it should have been a, a yellow for penalty for high tack for tackling in the air but Garcia's just gave the, the knock on um, so there yeah, were like two or I, three I, kind of, I, I think if he'd caught that yeah. it would have been a yellow card but because he knocked it on Garcia was like oh yeah. fuck but I, 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 I do think they were very good in the air under their own ball so they they were quite good yeah they retained case. they retained a lot of their own ball yeah so I would say yeah let me see if got that stat I don't think so but um, but basically yeah I, I felt like they you know they brought the right ammunition for the fight and it just came down to execution um, I do think our discipline was very good generally speaking there were oh geez I almost I almost had a heart attack when Francois Lowe came on and gave away that penalty for entering the side um, oh my god! That, yeah. that freaked me out. And but then he he redeemed he redeemed he, he himself. He did redeem eh? himself. Yeah, he got that that crucial steal. Um, but fuck me, that that almost ended me. But yeah, I mean, look, this was always going to come down to to two things. Like number one, could either team crack the other team's defense for a try to to make the difference, or it was just going to be like tit for tat, goal kick, goal kick, goal kick, and we were able to do both. I think we, we got the, the much needed try, the converted try, um, and then they returned with a try of their own, but then we out, pen, out penalty scored them. So, yeah, like a real arm wrestle. Not a, and not a good game. By all, like, yeah, by, by any reasonable measure, it was a terrible game for anyone who wasn't Welsh yeah, or, or, or South African. It um, wasn't even one of those games 
say, oh, it was a it was a beautiful grind. It was just yeah, it was ugly. It wasn't even like a grind where you know both teams make 250 tackles sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, just it, a, it was just like both teams kind of made kind of a hundred odd tackles. There were God, I would be surprised if there were more than a hundred odd running meters in the game. Mm. Yeah, well, I don't think anyone. No one, no one player. Odds, yeah, no one player got over fifty running meters. Um, but I can tell yeah. you that. I well, don't think that's yeah, sh- the sh- defenses were just good, or just because the attack was just crap. Well, I mean, they never, no one ever tried, right? It was like they. Yeah, that's also true. Is you know the first point of call was just kick. Yeah, and... there was a couple of times where the teams would kick from ten meter to ten meter from a box kick without any setup or phase three times in a row. Yeah. Strange, but they weren't even going through the motions because you know, Squidge was talking about that kind of test, 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 mm. then kick. Oh, phase thing, yeah, yeah, they didn't even make well, it. There, was no, there, the was, there was no test, test, test. It was like, well, I'm not gonna you yeah. know, play along with that, I'm gonna make it mix it up, yeah, but uh, maybe even more predictable. So, next game, I can be even less predictable. <laughs> yeah, shout out yeah. to Alan Wynn Jones. Um, I think he's so he. He is the second most capped player of all time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Really? Oh. He's got 100, 144 caps now. He, although I think he ties Parise. Hang on, let me, let me double check this. So he'll, he, by the end of the tournament, he'll be... So maybe that's why Parise was so what? bummed about yeah, playing so New he's, Zealand. He's, <laughs> he, I don't know if this is up to date, but according to Wikipedia, he's tied on 142 with Parise. Yeah, so as you say, Parise was fuming because he didn't get his 143rd. But do you, um, do you think Alwyn Jones will play the third place playoff? Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I think for Wales coming third will be good, but I think New Zealand will send their second team. Yeah, and I it's also know, it's New Zealand going to come out and put 50 on them. We'll see. Hey, but I, I mean, New Zealand are going to come out raging. Yeah, they'll have a, they'll make a statement game. Honestly, that's like one of the biggest reasons I wanted to win this. As much as I wanted to be in the final, mm. because I didn't want to have to play New Zealand <laughs> yeah. in the third, because they're going to come out incredibly angry. Yeah, and on top of that, like I said earlier, you know, it's our it, the next time we face New Zealand will be our hundredth match against them, and I can imagine nothing worse than for that match to be the fucking third, fourth playoff. That would just be depressing. Um, but yeah, so Alan Wynn Jones will go clear of Sergio Parisa if he plays that game to 143 caps, only five caps behind the, the all-time. I would say best rugby player of all time, uh, Richie McCaw. Uh, but Alan Wynn Jones, he's he still got it, guys. He he went eight 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 for eight tackle attempts. Um, he was the most he made the most tackles out of anyone in, on the Welsh team and missed none. Uh, he did give away one penalty, but he also opened the game with a a real good steal. Um, so he's he's a living legend. Like that guy, you can't take anything away from him. But, no, uh, I'm just. Just just on Alwyn Jones, I thought the Welsh forwards, to me, obviously I, I don't like the Welsh, but to me the Welsh forwards, apart from Alwyn Jones, were essentially a bunch of no-name brands. With, yeah. you know, um, Falata out before the World Cup. Yeah. Oh, yeah, two for two pricks there. But, and then um, Navidi yeah. also. Yeah. But they actually, do you know what? They, they fronted up to yeah. the box who are... I think some English people would disagree, but definitely one of the most physical packs in the world. I'd say, yeah, I'd say the, the French and the English are up there, um, mm. but I think we definitely top three. And yeah, I mean, you're right. I don't know if we have any Welsh listeners, but 
Um, we definitely don't have any watch lists. Not, not anymore. If we <laughs> ever had any, they're, they're long gone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, 100%. Like, shout out to the Welsh forwards who... I, I mean, I did my head-to-heads earlier in the week. I had to do some research on a few guys. Like, there were names that I'd kind of never really seen before. And I couldn't... I, I still couldn't pick most, most of them out of the lineup. But... Um, and I, I generally fancy myself as being like a little bit, you know, more knowledgeable than the average guy on these things. But they, they stood up like they did not go down without a fight. There was um, a period where they were camped on our try line, and we were, it was just wave after wave of defence against the box, who eventually were forced into conceding a penalty. And then probably the most, the most courageous moment I think, arguably of the whole World Cup, when Alan Wynne Jones decided that they were going to go for a scrum from a penalty and you never yeah, see that was a massive you one, never hey? see that you never and, uh, see guys picking the scrum from a penalty and it worked they they worked to the left for the Josh Adams try Josh Adams who by the way is now the top try scorer in the tournament now the top try scorer oh, and, and in with a good shot of, of, of staying there because no one from England is going to catch him and Mpimpi is going to find it tough against England um, and also he, he could end up playing the third fourth game with case he'd have a much better chance of, of keeping that spot but yeah I don't, I don't think enough can be said about the, the effort of the Welsh forwards to keep them in that game so yeah big big uh, kudos to the men from from Wales um, guys anything else any, any further thoughts on this game um, um, I think what Michael was saying and like I think we all thought it where I felt South Africa kind of started like where I was like okay now we're dominating was actually when our bench came on I thought our bench was definitely a lot stronger than theirs yeah Which I, we, think, I mean look and, that is part of our game plan is yeah. we know that we have ridiculous yeah. on the bench so I, I felt that if we could if we were still in touch at um, 60 minutes that we'd win the game yeah um, yeah that, that seems to be the, the game our bench plan, is yeah. just stronger which yeah. is a very nice thing to see. I mean, we've done, we've proved it in previous games, even against the All Blacks. Is we finish games stronger than pretty much any other team, except maybe Canada. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's that's a very nice change of scenery relative to previous Brock teams, which have definitely faded in the last twenty, particularly against a team like New Zealand. Yeah. I I mean, it's it's premature. We still have the the biggest game of most of these players' careers. This four-year cycle. Yeah. yeah, certainly the four-year cycle but uh just you know in the back of my mind i am unbelievably excited for the next era of of springbok rugby because I, I feel like we've been a, we've been in such a dark place for a while and it, it sounds stupid and very very like whiny i think to say that because we came third in 2015 um, yeah, I mean, I, it still irritates me as how negative people feel coming out of that World Cup. I don't feel, and I think most people feel this way, is that I don't feel like we've had a good a good performance at a World Cup since 2007. And 2007, I consider to be the weakest World Cup of any that we've ever had. So this is like a real shining light, I think, the fact that we finally stood up. Yeah. And I mean, unfortunately, yeah, we actually we had an easy route once again, you know, Japan and Wales. Well, it's, it's, it's not like it's not our fault. No, 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 <laughs> it's, it's not about fault though. Man. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's about signalling. It's about like meaning, like meaningfulness, and yeah. you know, like I, I hear what you're 
and and 2007 i mean what do we have to do to win the world cup we have to beat england who we'd already beaten 36 in all the pool stages and you're like ah fuck you know like it doesn't mean yeah, that much and argentina and fiji i mean it wasn't yeah, yeah tough so but... whereas and i mean you know let's we're gonna get to them now but think about what england have gone to on the on their jersey they've on their journey they, yeah they're, they're gonna beat, they beat argentina they beat australia they beat new zealand and they're lining us up to complete the rugby championship clean sweep that's a massive story like that's I almost want them to win. Like, it's it's huge. It's no, I can't let them have that. <laughs> no. no way. <laughs> and all right, let's use this as a bit of a segue. But um, and if they do win, there will be the the holders of the cricket world cup and the rugby world cup simultaneously. <laughs> <laughs> that's not like motivation for us to beat them. Jeez. And Liverpool uh, have other European champions in football. And if I'm not mistaken, Lewis Hamilton's currently the Grand Prix champion. So it is a golden, uh, a golden era for for British uh, sport. No, you know, to be honest, they they deserve they deserve a win with all the shit they're going through with Brexit and stuff. Well, they yeah. deserve one win so they can have the Cricket World Cup, which they already have. They well, can't, they didn't, they they can't didn't have the that, Rugby World Cup. They didn't earn the Cricket World Cup in the first place. So they, uh, yeah. yeah, it was like four fluke decisions that all went in their favour. Yeah. yeah, it was like a, a series of. <laughs> I reckon the Kiwis, the Aussies, the Welsh, everyone's supporting us for this final. Like we have to be the crowd favourites. I think so too. But I, again, I mean, if you if you step back from from our our, our don't like us either, to be honest. Like from a rugby <laughs> perspective, it's it's a damn good story, and I think I think it'll be a good thing for rugby if if, if England win. But no one likes the English. No, <laughs> from a support. Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I think I, th- I think people don't like us either. <laughs> no, but that's part of our brand, I think. Um, whereas the British, <laughs> the British tell themselves that they're still popular. But uh, anyway, um... no, no, I, I think um, I think people are coming around a bit to us. Like I do think. Well, I think, I think, I think having, Rusty's had a very good. I think, yeah, I think having Scott Brits on tour helps a lot. <laughs> and Rusty as coach, he's in. I mean, he's just the way he deals with media is yeah. amazing. Like he's, I have so much time to chat. There's not many people that I listen to, you know, half an hour of press conference, but I yeah. often listen to Russell's. Yeah. Um, do you, do you li- do you listen to his little his his dad videos yes. when he's um... <laughs> from the hotel lobby? Yeah, I mean you have to. <laughs> yeah, he is he is fantastic. Uh, someone who's not fantastic is Phil, um, who's going to fill us in. Um, we've got a voice note from him. I'm going to stitch it in. Well, Adam hopefully is going to stitch it in because I don't know how the fuck to do that. Uh, but um, so here we go with Phil from for, from Japan, and Phil is going to fill us in. Good evening from Yokohama. It's once again me, Phil, your man on the ground in Japan, and whew, we've just come back from watching South Africa narrowly take the victory of the Wales at the Yokohama International Stadium and it was quite an experience um, as the guys will no doubt get into it wasn't the prettiest match anyone will ever see but it was definitely tense and nervy and extremely uh, close in many facets but uh, I think that ultimately South Africa's forwards were able to dominate enough to put Wales on the back foot and really never sort of give them a sense of allowing them 
to feel comfortable enough to run with the ball enough. And yes, there was a lot of kicking and sometimes it seemed like a comedy of errors when there were charge downs followed by grubbers, which were partially charged down, followed by another charge down. But, um, you know, it's, it's a semi-final. These games can be tense. They can come down to just a battle for territory and lots and lots of kicking. But I think as a South African fan, you've got to be happy with that. And even though England may have looked more impressive in the, in the first semi-final, um, on the day in a final, while they, England may take the favourites tag, I think it's anyone's game. And it's been a pretty good World Cup so far. Um, yeah, in terms of the stadium, so South African fans were definitely outnumbered. There were far more Welsh fans. There were far more Irish fans. I guess all those optimistic Irish fans who were hoping to see their team in the semi-final. There was even more Irish singing than there was South African singing. Not that South Africans sing too much in any case. Um, and there were, I think, even the locals, there were more sort of Japanese locals dressed in Welsh colours than South African colours. But there were still a fair few, a fair few locals supporting South Africa, and that was good to see. Um, and yeah, so yesterday's game, the England-New Zealand match, we didn't attend at the stadium, but we watched in a in a bar, and uh, th that too, there were definitely more uh, of the locals supporting New Zealand than England, and they were ultimately disappointed in the result, but got very excited every time New Zealand made a break, and it was just an amazing game, though, even though what not at the stadium, just to experience in a in a full bar with a lot of people, even if it's not necessarily their team. I'm so happy about it and so into it, so passionate about it rather. That was pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, from here we're watching the third, fourth playoff, which nobody really likes that game too much, but I'm hoping that we will see a lot of exciting rugby because it will be New Zealand and Wales, and I'm hoping that New Zealand just sort of are able to completely unleash and put, you know, at least 50 Maybe that's being optimistic, but I'd like to see them put 50 past Wales in that match. And then we'll be watching the final from probably one of the fan parks or something in Tokyo before heading back the Monday after the after next weekend. Um, and since last time, yeah, I was traveling up from Beipu, we've gone through Hiroshima and Kyoto and seen all sorts of wonderful things. A lot of the tourist attractions, you know, bamboo forests and temples, shrines, castles, imperial palaces. A bit of everything and ate a lot of wonderful food at the same time um, so yeah but next time you'll hear from me the last one I think it will be after the final just before I head home so peace out thank you very much Phil um, consider us filled in um, so right that was very interesting Phil thank you for your insights on, on life in Japan Talking now about the match of the weekend, probably, if we're honest, one of the matches of the tournament, actually. Um, England uh, versus the match of the I think we can say that safely already. There were some so. good ones. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think back. Like, Uruguay, Fiji was pretty, Uruguay, Fiji, come on. Pretty epic. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, from a you know top team matchup. Like. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, like it, it no, is. And, and Uruguay, it's Fiji, I agree. This is this is going to go down as one of the all-time greatest. Test matches and Rugby World Cup matches. And it's crazy to think, I think Phil mentioned it on the chat group earlier, 
that um, England and New Zealand have never really met each other properly in like a high stakes game at the World Cup because in 95 they sort of steamrolled them in, in the group stages I think um, or was it a quarter final and yeah they just always seem to be avoiding each other but and they haven't played each other very much in the last cycle they've played each other what once twice once yeah, which, yeah, which yeah. is kind of crazy I mean I was I was very upset last year when we ended up playing England in November on our end of year tour instead of New Zealand playing them because we'd already played them three times when they toured here um, and then I got even more upset when yeah. on, Owen Farrell high tackled uh, Andre Esterhazen but to be fair you did play them last year but it was the first time you know Oh, was that like, okay, sorry, I'm getting my... Yeah, but, uh, but, uh, but apparently the issue is it's like a revenue split. Like, the All Blacks refuse to do anything apart from, I guess it's about, like, 50-50, even if they're playing at, like, your home stadium. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of like England have to bear all the costs, but the All Blacks still get half the profit. Yeah. So it's... That's not dickish. But that sounds exactly like something the All Blacks would do. So let, let's start with... Um... Right from before the whistle. Well, hopefully, that's went. something they won't do going forward. Now that they're not at the, yeah. you know, even God, I, in the world. I, I hope they go crawling, crawling back to Twickenham, begging for a match. Um, yeah, because <laughs> now they're gonna now they're gonna have to beat England for. Well, they can't wait until next World Cup to get that monkey off their back. Eh? Yeah. Um, so before the whistle even went, we had a bit of tension. The hucker took place as it usually does, but England lined up in the the flying V. Which is well, the it's the horns of the bull. Yes, the Shaka Shaka Zulu tactic, um, uh, with, which was led by Joe Marler. He strayed very deep into the New Zealand half, and um, I thought first of all, they, we've seen a lot of different challenges or responses to the Haka over the years. I don't think this one was particularly impressive, uh, but you know whatever. They obviously decided that it was a good thing. Um, I think it definitely sounded a signal. I think it, you know, uh, definitely but, uh, uh, the yeah. challenge that they uh, went uh, uh, Yeah. Like, I think, I think, yeah, it didn't like front up to them. But what it did is it meant they weren't really doing the hacker at anyone. Yeah, I guess so. Be- because most of those people would have been out of their eye line if you think about it. So they would only probably see the first five of the V of yeah. the of the horns. So yeah, I think it's quite good because it almost gave them no one to challenge. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, so over the years, like I said, we've we've seen a lot of different, you know, ways of responding to the hike. I think the worst one of all time has to be uh, the decision. I mean, Australia ignored it. Yeah, Australia just ignored it altogether and decided to like warm up, and that they ended up getting beaten by like 50 points or something stupid. They they caught a thrashing. So for me, that's the one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum, the for me, it's got to be the best response to the hacker ever. Was twenty twenty eleven at the World Cup? The I French. Think. The French. Oh, when the French came at it. Jeez. Do you think? That we, uh, I'll get to this now. But yeah, yeah but uh, man, I, I still remember. What was it? God, yeah, it was just incredible. Like they, it was also a bit of a flying V, but they just came all the way up. And they just kept walking. They, yeah, they they started deep and then yeah. walked up to them the hacker. Yeah. Which is. And the point was that they, you know, the the defending team, or sorry, the opposition ball blacks are not meant to cross the ten meter line. Yeah. Which which is why the French were fine post that ten uh, eleven. Yeah. Um. So I'm very interested to see if the English get fined because technically they broke the rules. I mean, Joe Muller was all the way up. You know, he was almost on the New Zealand ten meter. Yeah. So it'll be well, technically according to 
precedent and the rules that they've done in the past, England should be fined mm. um, for that. So it'll be very interesting to see if they apply that because England won. Yeah. <laughs> and a, are you uh, are you are you saying this is match fixing and the game should be replayed? I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm just you know suggesting that <laughs> you know, maybe things weren't quite as level as the past suggests. <laughs> do, do you know? Do you not? Uh, I think a lot of teams can learn from this that. England did after the hacker, which I think might have actually been more um, influential than the the challenge or whatever the, their response yeah. was. They um, they huddled for like a minute after the hacker as well. Yeah, and so just like let New Zealand like sort of cool, cool down off. basically. Yeah. Yeah, which I think which I think all teams should do after the hacker. You should say, okay, oh, you've yeah. taken your minute to do the hacker. Yeah. So. Well, but now minute. you, mm. now we're gonna take mm-hmm. our minute to have a chat while yeah, so, you guys kind of so warm this is, back down. This is kind of the debate, right? So there's there's two schools of thought. The one group of people I've seen on social media are saying, why why do we let New Zealand get special treatment in the first place? Well, how come they get to do their special dance and no one else, and we have to just stand back and respect it? And Joe Marta gets pushed back to his own oh, and everything. No. no, no, this is just the argument. I'm not saying I'm, I agree with it. But then the other group of people are, are saying probably what you're about to say, Ben, which is it's a special part of rugby. It's part of their culture. And actually, everyone enjoys it. Like, the hucker isn't just for New Zealanders. And personally, when I'm, whenever I'm watching a New Zealand match, I, I don't care about missing anthems. I don't even mind that much if I miss the kickoff. I always hate it when I miss the hucker. So, yeah. but for me, the, 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 what World Rugby needs to do is say, we're not giving New Zealand special treatment. There is a like there's a two minute window after the anthems or and before kickoff for each team to do any cultural or you know like any psych up thing that they want to do. So there's in New Zealand aren't the only team that have a war dance. It could be Fiji, Tonga, somewhere. Uh, and the Springboks, if they had something they wanted to do, they could just as easily do that, you know. And it, even if you just get in a circle and do like those things we used to do at school, you know, guys go, you know. Yeah, where you like have a shout, yeah. Shout out, yeah. So I, I just think they should say both teams have a window where they could opt to do something if they want to. And then that's that's equal. And whichever team you know is kicking off first gets to gets to go first, for something something like that. And then we we might see like a lot of teams adopting it and embracing it actually. And coming up with something that speaks more to their culture, and I don't know, oh, I, think, I think it could kind of be a bigger part of rugby. South African dance, I don't think it would necessarily be a dance. I think it might just be like a, like, like even if they did like a bit of Guijo singing, like or like a Shoshaloza kind of thing, or even if they just wanted to pray, if they're super religious, I don't know. But I don't know. They, I just think there's something that they could come up with that wouldn't be too cheesy. Or to just do nothing. Like you don't have to do anything. But I'm sure there are a lot of teams that could think of something that would speak to their their culture. Uh, but anyway, right, no, that's that's, that's enough about the hacker. Um, but I think our take on it was basically two points. Number one, the hacker is I think it should be preserved. It is relatively sacred in rugby and should be allowed to continue. But number two, teams should not be encumbered as to how they respond to it. Anything short of yeah. anything short of physical interaction should be allowed. You can go like nose to nose with the guy. And I've seen that happen. Um, in the past, it used to happen. It was great. It's it amazing. Great like, it's, spectacle for the fact. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. So, but, 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 but in, in terms of the... Because the hacker was obviously... It was... Originally, it was a war dance. Yeah. 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 
but when in terms of the New Zealand culture, how how should you respond to the haka? I mean, can you? Is it a traditional thing that you've got to observe it, or should you be coming at them? I because maybe it's like a cultural misunderstanding. We're like, oh, we should challenge these fuckers, and really, like that is a that's like a grave insult. Mm. I don't think it's. I don't think there is necessarily like a right or wrong way to respond because. I mean, it's not like in New Zealand people are, you know, at war all the time and just randomly sort of doing hackers in the streets and stuff. So I don't think there's necessarily like a, a, a protocol to be followed. But Joe, I think... Joe, Joe the other day was looking at like a, I don't know, you know when you just go deep onto YouTube and you know like a, a suggestion or a suggestion, and she was looking at hacker proposals. Yeah. I was like, okay. No, it's a real thing. You're so, in. There's yeah. a trick there, there. Yeah. But I mean, so all the hackers I've seen you know, you, you like, you, you do it back in a way, like you, because it, it's not like, it's not necessarily used as a challenge. Like if, if you, if someone like knocks over your drink in a bar, you don't just hucker him. So it's more of like out of respect. <laughs> so great. Yeah. And like, it, it's, it's done out of respect and like, you know, for things like proposals, or whatever. So, and from what I've seen, the right thing to do is to like join in with it. Um, so, and I mean, we've seen teams do it at each other at the same time. I think it was like Fiji, not Fiji, but like Tonga, Samoa. I think I've seen that's them. That's so fucking cool. I love that. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. It's, no, that's the way it should cool. be. The Springboks want to do an MP towards it. Should be should be allowed. Yeah. I think I think we should come up with something. I think we should we should put some some put a team onto this. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you imagine uh, trying to teach I'm like Lude Diago? Maybe Lude could just do the lawnmower actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, like everyone else does the dad dances. <laughs> <laughs> everyone just does the dad dance. Guys, yeah, let's, like, let's let's get into the like... let's get into the game itself. Um, it was it was pretty one sided, if we're honest. Like England yes. kind of dominated right from the get go. Uh, final score yeah. was obviously ni- nineteen <laughs> to seven. So there was this, the one try that um, New Zealand ended up scoring to Adi Sevier, but. That was only in the second half. They were nil. They they were nil on the scoreboard at halftime. And also, it wasn't like a try that they created from phase play. Or whatever. It was just an overthrow from England. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, in fact, I mean, we, fair enough. They, they, well, they, 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 they were they were they were in the right place though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like, point is, it wasn't that they. You know, the the, the actual scoring was a fluke. Like, yo, yo. It was good skill, but yeah, it's the try itself was yeah. fluke. But so 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 what happened, guys? Because. This is not the the All Blacks that we're used to seeing, or is it? Is this just like the the chickens coming home to roost? Because remember, we've run the. Oh, no, no, we we have been, no, but we have been calling this for a while now. Yeah. But to me, to me, the their backline wasn't functioning. Yeah. No, I I agree. So, I something but, interesting. But I I I, I think this was. Yeah. Sorry, Alexa. No, I, I was just going to say that what jumped out at me, um, and I uh, this is why I asked you earlier for the stats and the number of kicks from hand from the four teams this weekend. Forty-one kicks from hand from Wales, forty kicks from South Africa. So pretty much dead even, as we said, a real arm wrestle. Both teams knew what was coming. Thirty-two kicks from hand from England, and only twenty-four kicks from hand from New Zealand. That's not the key. That's not the All Blacks way. We've been saying for years that the All Blacks kick more than we do, just better at it. And yet, for some reason, what I picked up during the game yesterday was that they weren't kicking. Like they tried to run everything, and they just were bad at it. Yeah, like, but they, they were they were rattled to me though. Yeah, but like they played into like because we 
we talk about our kicking game and what we want from the teams we're playing against is that we kick to them and they try and run it back at us. We then tackle them a few times and force a penalty and kick the penalty over. So a team that we kick to running the ball back at us is best case scenario. And that's it's a pretty simple philosophy. And New Zealand know that because they've been doing that for years. And then suddenly in the semi-final situation against England, that just goes out the window. And Hansen's like, no, last thing they'll expect is that we run it back at them. And England was like, well, this is perfect. This is what we've been waiting for. So, like, is it, is it, was it just bad strategy from Hansen? Yo, Hansen's an idiot. I've been telling you guys this for years. No one listens to me. <laughs> um, I, I did lose out the last five minutes of conversation. Cool. Just, just, Sorry, and you, you just came in very hard, eh? Yeah, no, I, I, my call disconnected, so I, I'm not sure what has been or hasn't been oh, said, but I'm trying oh, to pick up. Oh, oh, I, I called Hansen idiot, and Alex was talking about the English... And the New Zealand kicking strategy and how it just disappeared, how they just yeah. stopped kicking. Fair. Cool. Those it, points. It, yeah. um, it just seems like they changed their but, plan but, at the last minute to... But it, to, to me, the, their back line was... Think about how many times ALB got the ball on the wing. Yeah. Yeah, that is very true. Yeah. He And he was playing... It's his what worst, was he? It's he was his playing... worst game in two years, I think. But, but, yeah, but why, why was it... Why, why was he lot. there? Yeah, I don't know. Is, George Bridge and David Reese were being used as first receiver for some bizarre reason. No, but mm. if if George Bridge had a cut game as well, eh? mm. well, he didn't have a cut game. He was just completely nullified. But they they were all nullified. Like the only player in the backline in the the New Zealand backline who I thought actually had a good game was Jack Goodhue. He had and, a good game. Um, he was like, and he was the, he was he was the player that were most worried he about sort of breaking. He, yeah, he was like out too lugging, too lugging. Um, they just yeah. couldn't stop him. But, but like, yeah, so you, you picked up on the fact that they were using Bridge and Reese as a first receiver. But then, like, how does that tie in with the fact that they're supposed to be a kick-first team? Exactly, it's bizarre. Like, and it just seems, um, like, it just seems like, like Hansen had this in his back pocket the whole time and was convinced that it was going to be a really good strategy for some reason, but then didn't bother to actually test it against anyone because it's the first time I think we've seen them play this this way. And then they just look. I mean, they have used they have used their wings as a first receiver a little bit occasionally, and it was effective. But yeah, but but, but no, but that yeah. was also with that was Rico Ioni, who's got yeah. you know 15 no, kgs on Bridger Reese. Like yeah. Reese has picked up his first receiver a couple of times. Um, but no, yeah. I think for me the biggest issue was that none of none of the All Blacks players. If you think about their team, one to fifteen. None of them are dominant ball carriers in contact. None of them get mm. your team over the advantage line. Yeah. Which is what you need to do to beat a rush defense. You yeah. don't beat a rush defense by going around. You beat a, a rush defense by smashing going over it, it, yeah. pushing them backwards, then sucking the defenders in and going wide. But or, no, like, or, or, or with a nice yeah. little short pass like between the forwards. That normally works quite well. But, yeah. I mean, the point so, is you've got to get backwards so, and by having anyone that can smash over the line, mm. they were just shooting themselves in the foot really. And the, the English defenders were just so dominant at, at the game line. Yeah. They were shunting the back... New Zealanders, their biggest ball carriers, if you think about it, like Sam Whitelock, they were just getting obliterated yeah. backwards, yeah. Um, you know, which completely destroys the All Blacks' momentum game. So they had no chance. But I think it was as much down to selection as it was down to tactics. And selection from the squad, not just for the game, not just for the Yeah, yeah. like, like, like I, I felt that Hansen had made this mistake, you know, three months ago or whatever, when he... Selecting Mapi by not selecting Squire, by not having mm. a proper... And they tried to fix it by bringing in 
Scott, Scott Barrett, Barrett but yeah. you know, he's not a he's a soft hands player. He's not a basher over the game line. You know? I thought Scott Barrett had a very good game though, and then they took him off at half yeah. time, which to me is admission of. Um, yeah, that was like as soon as that happened, you felt like Hansen was just panicking. And but yeah. I mean, you guys remember we, this isn't the first time we've spoken about Scott Hansen sort of backpedaling because before the the World Cup even started, we spoke about how they well from the no, he was a bit. Yeah, he was like rattled. he hadn't committed. He, he hadn't committed to it. He hadn't committed to a center pairing. Yeah, he hadn't committed to and center he, pairing. And he, he hadn't committed to a, um, a blindside. And and he was rattled by the fact that Damon McKenzie's injury had compromised the 10-15 combination that he'd been building for the last two years, and he was now forced into trying to recreate it with Moanga, well, with Bo Boanga, with Bowden and Moanga. And which, to be fair, worked quite well. Well, on paper like, it makes I sense, think... but but I honestly think that they were missing. Like the X factor of Damien McKenzie at at fullback because Bowden Barrett. I think Bowden Barrett is less X factor than McKenzie. I think he does in a way, but he he because he's it's not that he's unpredictable. It's just that you can't stop him. Like he's too quick for you. He's got a better skill set, so he's got more sort of tricks up his sleeve in terms of like passing, kicking variation. But with ball in hand, Damien McKenzie's got like a lot. He's got that Cheslin Colby. X factor, the agility, the sort of horizontal running that breaks your line over. Okay, I hear what you're saying. I hear yeah. what you're saying. Maybe I'm not explaining it well, but I, yeah, I don't think. Bro no, I, don't, I, know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, so, but he's the line of pace and breaks lines, but he doesn't step his way through in yeah. a tight space. Yes. He doesn't you know step in a phone box. Correct. Yeah. Like Colby and McKenzie yeah. can. But what 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 Bowden Barrett fully no, does give Bowden, you? Uh, to to explain it better, Bowden Barrett obeys the laws of physics. Jason Colby does not. Yeah. Yes. True. But but the thing is, like with 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 Bowden Barrett at fullback, what you do have is two kicking options in your in your backline, just like we we kind of have with Vili and Pollard, and that's what's been working for them. Like, and then suddenly today they whip out like this game plan that seems to have been drafted around having a player like Damian McKenzie getting touches on the ball because when you're running it from your own 22, like who, who's going to break that line open? It's not going to be Bowden Barrett. Um, because he's sometimes. He, yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm. Uh, anyway, but for I think being a slightly overpass on Barrett, like he has definitely in the past demonstrated he can break a team open from his own twenty-two. I don't. I don't think he does it from his own twenty-two. Though. Like he does it with like chip kicks and and like he he passes and loops and then gets the ball twice in the same movement and then has the gas to go around an outside channel or like between the thirteen and the wing, whereas McKenzie will do the Colby thing where he just like runs up and then suddenly steps three guys at once and creates a gap where there isn't one. Bowden Barrett like ex exploits gaps yeah, that already enough. exist. Fair enough, Barrett doesn't do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah anyway, I mean, maybe I'm wrong about this, but that's okay. So, the backline didn't seem fit for purpose. Um, they... I think that was the backline wasn't fit for what England were going to bring, which we knew England were going to bring. And the, like, the, England didn't do anything unusual. No. They just did exactly what we knew they were going to do, and they just did it 100%. Yeah, the, the, the accuracy, and yeah. And we'll talk, about, we'll talk about England just now, because there's a lot to be said there. But but just on New Zealand, who obviously we, we know a bit better. Um, over the the last, like, 15, 20 years of watching New Zealand, there's always been a, a sense that they reward class over form. So all the years of, like, Ma Nanu playing badly at Super Rugby level and then getting picked for the All Blacks, and then playing playing his socks off, that seems to be like the all black way. You reward the guy who's done the job a hundred times before, over the guy yes. who's uh, topping the try scoring charts just this one year. 
And then suddenly, 2019, it seems like that all goes out the window because Owen Franks, you know, Test Centurion, plays every match up until the announcement of the squad and then not in the squad. Um, yeah. you know, Severi Reese only has one good season. Yeah, Severi Reese, one good season. He's starting over Ben, over ben Smith, of all people. Uh, George Bridge, yeah. one one good season for the Crusaders, starting over the world's best winger up until 12 months ago or whatever. Uh, very good. Yeah, and um, even even the centers. If you look at their centers, yeah, look at the yeah. centers. You got Ryan Crowdy, you got Sonny Bill Williams, two of the best all-time centers. Um, I mean, not even yeah, probably not even the best New Zealand centers, obviously, but you know they they're all-time greats. I would say they've they've won World Cups before, and you suddenly yeah. throw in, in a semi-final situation of, of all things a, a relatively untested combination of Anton Leonard Brown and Goodhue, which I'm convinced is going to be the world's best center pairing in four years' time. But as of today, like. You would have thought that you'd have at least one of Crotty or Sonny Bill Williams and then one of Goodhue and Anton Leonard Brown. Not well, I suppose that's just like when Sonny Bill Williams came on, you know, he set up two or three breaks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it just seemed like that they were missing like a steady hand on the tiller. And then again, like, you know, you, you've you played the last, you know, how many games and of Super Rugby with guys like Liam Squire and Shannon Frizzell um, at blindside flank. Now suddenly for a semi-final, you want to move a lock there? It just seems like... He's never hard. played. Scott Barrett had never played blindside flag. He's no. never started at six for the All Blacks until... It just... It smells of desperation. Well, look, and, as, and they... Think, and, and just, well, but yeah. but, what, what, but I don't understand. Why were they desperate? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it just seemed... It just seemed like... I don't know. Maybe Hansen was bored. Maybe he's just bored with winning. He was like, fuck it. Let's just do something weird. Let's lose. Let's just see lose what happens. Yeah, see, just, just to feel alive. Um... <laughs> But yeah, anyway, so I think I think New Zealand shot themselves in the foot. I think they maybe they just got inside their own heads or something, and maybe the mind games that Eddie Jones was running the whole week maybe it worked. Um, but yeah, let's let's move over to the very. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. Can, can you guys acknowledge that I'm right and Hanson an idiot? I I'm inclined to agree at this point. Like I think Hanson coached them out of this World Cup. So, so can the title of this episode be called Ben's Vindication? If you want, I'm, I'm not really in charge of that kind of decision making, but I'm sure we can. I'm, I'm telling sure you, Adam. I'm sure we can put pressure on the right people to make it happen. I, I'm sure. If, I'm sure. Yeah, if you make a song and dance about it, it'll happen. Like, I'm not gonna be swayed either <laughs> no, way. I, I, I don't think. I think Adam battles to think of episode titles. So if we if we hand him one, he'll he'll take it with both hands. Yeah. Um, Eddie Jones will be taking a final position with both hands. Eddie Jones. Um, course famously coached australia uh to the defeat in 2003 am i right am i right about that yes eddie jones so against england um he then came back in 2007 to assistant coach uh with jake white for um the 2007 trophy which jake white will tell you all about if you listen for five 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 minutes um he then coached Japan to a famous victory in Brighton four years ago against the Springboks. And here he is once again in a final situation as a head coach. Is Eddie Jones the real deal? Is he going to win it all finally? Ant, what do you think? I mean, look, he is the real deal. I think his, his as much as people try to slate him, I think he's got the, the coaching credentials to prove that he is the real deal. Yeah. Are they going to win it? I mean, they certainly deserve to be favorites. Yeah. Um, their performance was certainly more clinical than what the Springboks produced today. Um, that being said, I think the game plan the Springboks have is more suited to 
battle what England will bring, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think England will struggle to knock our carriers as far backwards as they knock New Zealand carriers back. And I think we rely a lot less on forward momentum to score points than New Zealand does. Yeah. So I think even then, you know, we're going to still play the same way. We're going to put some box kicks forward and we're going to make them play in their own half. Mm. Um, and we're going to milk penalties and we're going to kick them. So it doesn't matter if we, you know, if they're shutting down our attack or not, because let's be honest, we don't really have an attack. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I think, I think England very much rightfully are favourites. Um, but I think our game plan and our personnel are more geared to beating what England brought than mm. New Zealand necessarily were, which is kind of what we said beforehand. Um, as we said, New Zealand will struggle against us in England because of the way they are, but I think we would struggle less than New Zealand against England. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, for, for, I'm not suggesting that we're suddenly, you know, favourites. Um, no, sure. I just think we, we, what England's game plan negates is not what our strengths are. Yeah. Okay, well, I what... Think their game plan is designed to negate strength, but that, that's not what we play for anyway. So what, do you, what would you say are England's strengths? I mean, their defense is incredibly good. Their, their, <laughs> yeah. their, their line speed's really good. Their line speed and their right contention. I mean, those two flanks yeah. are just hitting everything yeah. and everyone and contesting everything. And yeah, Underhill and uh, Curry had, had, a, had a game to remember yesterday. They were, they were pretty intense. Mario Toje, um, we've been pretty He was harsh. also very good. We've I'm been pretty harsh not... on him on the pod in, in, in previous years. Uh, <laughs> I... I was I was pretty gobsmacked. Are you are you a believer now? Alex? I'm I'm a, I'm a believer. I I I finally see the hype, and I mean, look, it's not like we didn't watch him. Like I've seen him play for Saracens. I've seen him play for the juniors. He was really really good at junior level. So I'll give him that. Um, yeah, but everyone's good at junior level. Like, come on, like that's yeah. fair. Like Damien Phillips will start junior level and look at now. <laughs> yeah, um, but but Bosh. I've I've never seen Etoje do anything like particularly worthwhile at for in, in an England jersey at, at senior level until now and yeah. no, I finally saw the Etoje that people have been talking about because he was really good he was everywhere he tackled hard he was really good in the lineouts with the exception of the one lineout that he botched for Adi Sevilla's try and um, he he, he, he got three turnovers off the deck I think which is probably the most impressive stat. Like with Underhill and Curry in the side, you wouldn't have thought that the the turnovers would be coming from it from a uh, second row. No, I think one of his turnovers was in a tackle, though. No, oh, maybe. But still, yeah, still. Oh, look, I mean, the guy did. He had a very, very good game. Like, yeah. um, and I think he's a future. Yeah, but but they say, but uh, I don't know. To me, he's a bit. Actually, you know, I don't think I understand his personality well enough to mm-hmm. comment, but. I would say generally you need you need a karma here as captain. Mm. Possibly, although I mean Owen Farrell and he's Owen Farrell's not known for calmness ahead, yeah. No. Oh, well. Yeah. Um, I suppose the thing is, is Owen Farrell and Atosha are both bastards, which is what the English like in a captain. That's oh, true. English like a pro. Are you a they're prime they're wanker? Yep. Yeah. You you were captain the side. Yeah. But 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 do do you think so? Itoje arguably had his best game ever in an England jersey from what we've seen at least. Yeah, that's yes. my perspective on it, yeah. Look, this still doesn't make me believe that he's one of the top locks in the world. Like, if, I mean, I'm, I've said, I'm kind of going to say he's had he had a very good game, but I've, you know, yeah. it doesn't mean that he's suddenly, every other game I've ever seen him, I wasn't noticing. I, I don't, I don't like 
the I know it worked, you know, and then obviously like hindsight, but I don't like Itoje laws as a combination. So who would you have? I don't like Itoje. I would ha- I would have Itoje and then either Cruz or well is Launchbury even there? But you know like a like a proper four five yeah. instead of a, like a five five. Yeah. Okay. Um. So what we saw this game that we didn't see last week was the Ford Farrell combination ten twelve, which was kind of much talked about last week when they decided to go with um with Farrell at ten. What what's the thinking there? What what are the strengths and weaknesses of the of the two options? Was this was this because uh, they they didn't have to you, deal with a big runner like like Karevi in this in the midfield, or did they just want an extra I think kicking option? Motivation. I think that's why they put Tuilagi there last week was because yeah, they knew I I, I think it was more it was more last week was the variation and this week's the the plan. Okay, yeah, so you, I agree so you think we're gonna face the Ford Farrell? Yeah, I think we're going to face this as as close to the same team as... Because Karevi is an exceptionally strong runner, and I don't think they see Dielendi as as much of a threat at 12 as they see Uh, see Karevi, which is fair, because Karevi is... Dielendi is Dielendi's ultimate strength, his his lack of, like, his lack of big name. Mm, Maybe. (laughs) He's got a pretty long name. (laughs) Um, But... Yeah, so I, I don't know. So the the back three for England with Daly, uh, Johnny May, and Anthony Watson, I thought had a, a bit of a field there. With Johnny May was reeled in by Scott Barrett, so that was a bit embarrassing by him. But um, yeah, cool. Daly and Watson certainly uh, found Watson were able to find a, quite a bit of space. Daly's Daly's great a man. threat with, with ball in hand, guys. Like he's I'm a little worried about kicking up to him. Great Daly. Mm-hmm. I rate Daly. And he, and he and he's got a he's got a he's got a long boot as well. Like so, you got to be yeah. He'll punish you know, you. kind of he can, he puts him out from like fifty out. So he's yeah. He's a good combination. Is he is he there, Francois Sten? Basically, <laughs> well, he's a bit he's a bit quicker. Well, fuck. I mean, Francois Herbert's a bit quicker oh. than Francois Sten. But uh, okay, so um, let's talk about the set piece. We up until this point had 100% strike rate at the lineouts. Uh, Bongi didn't miss one throw in today, unfortunately. But uh, are we worried about the the English scrum? We had, I would say, dominant. No, dominance I, I don't. I don't think we're going to dominate the English scrum, but I don't think we're going to go backwards. I think I don't. If then, I wouldn't be surprised if there are no scrum penalties. Okay. Yeah, and no, I agree with that. Yeah. So you think both teams are just going to kind of play it safe, get your own ball, get out of there? Yeah, I like I, I, I can't see either team having a clear... I would say, to be honest, I would say we probably have a bit on them in the scrum, especially, again, with uh, with uh, with Laws and Itojo. Like, I don't think those are the strongest scrumming locks. Yeah. So if So I would say we would probably have a slight edge in the scrum, but I don't think it'll be to the extent that we're getting penalties. Yeah. I are think you... it'll be maybe our, our our attacking ball of our scrum will be slightly more positive than theirs, but it won't be it won't be game changing. Let's say that. Is there any reason? I might, I might do. Is there any reason for us to deviate from our six-two split next week? Definitely. Not. Uh, yes. I mean, well, the, the only reason being that we don't need to keep powder in the tank for the next week. Like Russie said as much that 
part of the reason we went for the 6-2 this week is to keep energy and like to limit the amount of tiredness players get because we knew either way we were going to have a game the following weekend. We don't have that anymore. So that reason of having the 6-2 at least is removed. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, anything else to say about England and New Zealand, guys? Uh, how, how good does it feel to know that there's a Rugby World Cup and New Zealand can't win it? Yeah, oh God, I, I couldn't have dealt with a fucking three-peat. Like... No, that's very much said by the fact that New Ze- England could win it. <laughs> I, I'm okay with it. I've, I've made my peace with that. Just because I think it's... I it's, haven't. I hate it, but it's it's. I think it's good for rugby. Um, Can I... Um... Yeah? Actually, no, it's fine. I'm, I'll leave it. Um... I was, I was gonna, I was gonna share my, you know, when we had to fill out that sheet for Adam, I was gonna share my, but I'll, I'll let it, I'll let it happen because. Uh, yeah. Well, I, 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 I spoke, with... when I spoke to Phil earlier, he, he wanted me to, to know that he's already hit his head on a, on a door quite hard. Uh, really? Yeah. So you were, you were right oh. about that one. <laughs> oh, God, now, now, oh fuck! I hope I'm not a prophet because then I <laughs> fucked up everything. <laughs> Okay. You already confirmed uh, you're a prophet. Yeah, you your, your dreams draft. have been coming through, coming true for like a month now, Ben. I'm like, so sorry, guys. <laughs> oh my god, this is my fault. What have you done? Maybe, maybe if you tell us what you've done, it won't come true. Yeah, maybe if I tell you, it won't happen. Yeah. Um, I said, um, so I said, um, England to win the World Cup. Okay. Playing South Africa in the final. Okay. Oh gosh. Oh no. <laughs> I don't like okay, but, but now. Now, now this is where it gets weird. Okay. I said Wales to come third and New Zealand to come fourth. I had bet <laughs> on New Zealand losing two games in a oh, row, wow. and one of them against Wales, who they haven't lost to in like literally ever. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I feel like we need to we need to add <laughs> add some meat to this. Like, what what are we going to do if Ben's right about this? Well, ah, oh, jeez. Kick him off the pod for predicting, like making this happen. Burn him as a witch. <laughs> yeah, but what, yeah, what? Like, should I use my power for good or evil? Because now I've used I it think, for I evil. Think we're a bit past that point. Yeah, <laughs> you've already used oh it for evil. Oh my god! Unless you bet all the, the, the pods um, funds on the, the the outcome you think is most likely, and you can get some financial return for us. That would be great if we had any funds. But um... yeah, full had him piss them away in Japan. But I, mean, I think, I think the, the, surest, the surest sign of this being a prophecy and not just you fucking around is the fact that you picked Wales to win in the three, in the third, fourth playoff, which is not something. Yeah, so that's not something you never yeah, like, right yeah, why, like, why would I do that? Exactly. So I think, I think <laughs> but, it must be but, the power but, speaking but, through you. But 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 to 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 indicate like how like uselessly I did the rest of the thing. Uh, biggest upset. I said uh, Fiji to lose to USA. Fiji didn't even fucking play USA. Like, I don't know what I was I, on I, about. I feel like you meant Uruguay. I kind of feel I did now. Like I, I kind of feel yeah. I am a prophet. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a very strong feeling that you're a prophet. Yeah, ben oh, is right a third of the time. We've con- we've confirmed this. <laughs> yeah. Well, in that case, he was right two thirds because there was a Fiji and they did lose. To a yeah. team name starts with U. Yeah, and it has an yeah. end. An America's team. From America. Yeah. Wow. Or from South America. It's still the same thing. You're scaring me. America's, yeah. You're scaring me. Um, guys, who are you most afraid of in the England team? If you could if you could remove one player from England's lineup ahead of next week, who would it be? Can we remove both Curry and um, 
Underhill. Underhill. I don't think so. They're basically a, like a... No, but, but I feel I feel removing one of them is as effective as moving both of them. Like they're like a little. Yeah. They kind of draw on, they draw you know, on each other's power. Yeah, they're I like reckon... twin. But are we are we worried I, about about Carrion Underhill because their strength? Actually, I know the answer to the question. Well, their, their strength is is in disrupting our rucks and our our phase ball, right? But we don't have any phases. We just kick off first phase. So no, who gives a shit? Like, yeah. let them disrupt. Like, what they're gonna steal it? What pre-box kick? Exactly. Like, what, no <laughs> what are we worried about? I think, I think <laughs> the trick is get rid of Ben Youngs because a that means Willie Hines. Like second choice go after Andy Ellis <laughs> has to start. They don't I, have a they don't have a, sec, a third choice come off with their squad. So I, I think I think Willie Hines is injured. So take out Ben Youngs and their yeah. whole game plan. They've, falls they've called up um, <laughs> they've called up Ben Spencer. Who's he? Fuck no. What happened to Danny Care? Like, how did that guy fall, fall so far off the radar? Ben Spencer, he's the <laughs> scrum half for Saracens. He's twenty seven years old. So he's obviously really good because he's you know he hasn't made it by age 27, so he's definitely going to make yeah. it now. Well, to be fair, Willie Hines and um, Hadley Parks, you know, they 30 year old debutants. <laughs> I don't think he, does he even start for Saracens? What? No, Neil DeCock's probably still starting ahead of him. Yeah, oh, jeez, Neil DeCock. I think, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if he even starts for them. Anyway, um, but anyway, so so yeah, that's a good shot actually. Taking out uh, Ben Youngs would be a good a good one. Um, yeah, but otherwise probably Owen Farrell just because he's their leader of bastardism. Yeah. Or Tua Lucky. I think Tua Lucky is genuinely their biggest backline threat. Like, hmm. they don't no, have but a player. The, no, but Tua Lucky, I feel the the idea of Tua Lucky is more threatening than Tua Lucky, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like he, he that's kind the of... point. Is you take Tua Lange out their game plan, they have to change their game plan. Yeah. But but I, I don't even think because the amount of time because they use him well because they use him essentially as a as a dummy runner like how I think Australia should have used Karevi a bit more. Yeah. Because yeah. you know you lining up this massive guy and you're like yeah oh, you're gonna have to stop him you're gonna have to stop him you're gonna have to stop him oh no uh, skipped and now he you know the yeah. ball's at the wing or whatever yeah, like that's the. the shit out of you. Yeah. Okay. Um, no. All right, guys. Well, let's let's get let's get down to it then. Uh, who is going to win the Rugby World Cup 2019, and by how much? Ben. Who I want to win, no, you know that. No, no. But I think um, I think England by about nine. And. Look, I mean, if I had to put money on it, I'd probably agree with that. But God, I hope that's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> I, Look, England yeah. are definitely a team with more form coming into this. You know, having beaten New Zealand, you can't argue against that. But like, geez, I do not want them to win. It would be. Do, but do, do you know? Do you know what? I, I'm a firm believer in a final 50-50. Yeah, no, that's like, true. Your your form coming into a final, I don't. I don't think it means. I don't think it means a whole lot. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with that. Like, I think, uh, and I kind of got that feeling today as well. We were, we were playing the the kind of rugby that I feel like we could win against pretty much anyone, just because it was so like basic and like gritty and there's like there's not there's quite a lot of margin for error because of how sort of one dimensional it is you know like we weren't throwing long yeah. skip passes like we didn't like really leave them much room for anything. So I yeah yeah, yeah like like we we sort of we sort of strangled them but in a in a weird way yeah 
And I think I think what have you like guys said earlier, like if, look like if anyone, that scrum. what have you guys said earlier, like if, if anyone's got the style of rugby to beat England, I think it's us. Um, yeah. So geez, yeah, replay of twenty two thousand seven, um, the fifth game between the two teams in the last year and a half, uh, which is currently two two all, so a tiebreaker in that respect. Eddie Jones got a foot in both camps in a way. Uh, yeah, like there's there's a lot of narrative to this game. Do, do um, you know what, yeah. one thing that I think is in our favor, we have more players that play in England than they, obviously they have no one who plays in. So I think we we have more personal knowledge of their players, which, you know, if I like game yeah. of small margins, maybe that matters. Yeah, could be. I mean, so Ben Young's, where does Ben Young's play again? He plays for Leicester. <laughs> Leicester, yeah. Uh, and Leicester also have... I'm trying to see. They don't have any South Africans, I don't think. Do they not? No, damn, there goes my... Well, they've got... No, Ier, they've got, they've got Ier, Vier, Fulion, and Hanro Liebenberg, so if we can quickly get them in. Oh, <laughs> just get them I mean, on the phone. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Um, guys, I reckon it's going to be a one-score win. I think it's going to be England by five. Um, and I think it's going to be... Close enough that we can still win it at the end of the game if we get a converted try, but I don't think we will. I think we're gonna. No, Rusty's gonna plot. Rusty's been holding back on us. He's got a secret plan. Yeah. Like faith in Rusty. Would you make any changes to the twenty match day twenty three, and who would you change, Ant? Colby for Billy. Okay. I'd keep the rest the same. So you go six two. Um, I wouldn't be against dropping. Um. Taking Franco out the team, putting in Savili to bench because I just think we do need to kind of have that, and then I don't know, I don't know who else I'd put on the bench. <laughs> Would you? So you drop Franco Mustard, but not Arkes Neman. Well, Franco Mustard and put Villy on the bench. Maybe, maybe that's it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, ben. Um. No, I'm not a. You're a simple man. Yeah, no, no. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of changing a, changing a winning formula. Okay. But Willie's. Oh, I yeah, think, no, I is, think is I having would. having Billy at fullback a winning formula. Well, so far, weirdly, yes. I guess, yeah, um, I'll argue with that. Not by any due. <laughs> yeah. Not by anything due to him, to be honest. Yeah. Um. I don't, I don't know, like, because, because, like you guys were saying, like, there were plans for Cebu. So, are there plans for Colby at fifteen? Are there plans for France staying at 15? I don't do really we want, with do we want Colby to start his first ever Springbok game at 15 in a World Cup final? I don't see how that could possibly go I wrong. I think I back Colby. To be honest, if I don't, I don't think Rassi is a guy who's worried about the, the repercussions, but I do think if he starts Colby at 15, no and we lose, there won't be... No one will... Blame him. Him out. Yeah, so. I think no, I you know, sure enough to handle that. Like he's played a lot of fifteen. He's played proper rugby. Like, yeah, it's not like throwing Damien Willemsen in there. I think it's a very bit different story. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I, to To be honest, like I, I like Damien Willemsen, and I, I do believe he's one for the future. But I don't want to see him anywhere near that fucking team. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
would, would you stick with like, like honestly even even if we even if like four guys got injured i'd rather they fucking flew in ruan pinar than play damon Willem, so. um <laughs> would you stick with the 60 split on the bench ben i like the 60 split you're a fan i think i think it gives us a lot of juice at the end and yeah you know that's like i do if we if you um you know whatever 60 minutes you 10 or tied up 10 or 9 or whatever like it was today your you know your forwards are the ones who you need to freshen up not your backs yeah okay um cool guys uh i won't i'd be lying if i didn't say i was nervous for next weekend i think it's going to be a really tense game i don't think it's going to be a great final to be honest i think it's going to be quite similar to 2007 actually um with similar kind of moments that break the game like the the who was it mark crato or matthew tate the controversial team of... yeah i think it was tate um so the question is do we have the donny rousseau to stop the tate um yeah i, mean, I feel i feel peter steph's toys chanting donny right now um, if we do win next weekend, uh, it'll be an episode for the ages. I think we, we're going to need to try and find a way to get like everyone on it. Just have like a six-man episode. Um, yeah, just have chaos to see everyone yelling. <laughs> yeah, it'll be like an episode of Sunny in, <laughs> in Philadelphia. Um, cool. Um, okay, okay, okay. Can, I, can, I make a, can I make a big call? Uh, by all means, you are, of course, the prophet. If we do win the Rugby World Cup... Yeah. I think our November tour, we should tour Japan. Just, just completely bank on all this goodwill. Bring Japan in; it'll be great. Do we? Are we having a November tour this year? No, we uh, like decided like last minute. Like, if we win the World Cup, we will probably not. We just do or like. We? No, I, I think we will, because then, because then, like, our value will be up. We just do like a lap of honor, basically. Yeah, I'll replay all our fixtures. No, but <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I, I, I really think, is, even if we don't, like, I honestly think if we just go play a three-match series against Japan, mm. it'll it'll bank so much goodwill. It'll bring Japan in. Mm. It'll, like, I, I really think it's a, it's a very good move. Yeah. Well, I think we, we're going to have to get in line at this point, I think. I think a lot of the teams have gotten onto the fact that Japan is where the money is uh, and where the interest is and where the future lies. So... Yeah, but I'm sorry, if we the World Cup champions, they can fucking get in line. Yeah. <laughs> well, confident. let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, gents, thank you very much for taking the time out on a busy Sunday to um, talk shit with us. And congrats once again to the Springboks and the English for making the World Cup final. It's been a momentous series so far, I think. Um, I'm... I'm personally incredibly pleased that we have a north-south final. I think that's something very special. And it's quite exciting, yeah. Yeah. Um, the box are up against um, it. It's it's we we're the underdogs, which is great. Uh, I really like I like going to big big games as an underdog. Um, as anyone who's played draft, fantasy draft with me knows. Yeah, it does suit us. <laughs> you do love to be that. I love Alex. I love being the underdog. It's great. Um, cool. Uh, Ant, thank you very much. Um, have you have you sobered up yet, or are you still riding the high? I think I'm. I think I'm getting there. Okay. All right. Well, maybe have a few shots before you go to bed, just in case. I feel um, like it might just be the point now where you just keep going throughout the night. Yeah, I'm sure there's there's a few jewels. I'm sure if you go to Springboks pub, there's something going on. Um, <laughs> ben, uh, happy Diwali once again, and thank you for joining us. 
Oh, thank you for having me on, Alex. Uh, I mean, it's, I was as pleased as you were to get the invite. So, um, cool. I feel I feel I've been on more podcasts with you hosting lately than I have with Adam. Like, podcast apart from the solo episode. Yeah, I don't, just him I don't want to. I don't want to give him shit because he did the solo episode and we all kind of ditched him, bailed on him, and he and he did a solo episode, which is great. Um, yeah, like I, I love that he did a solo yeah, episode. Yeah, so like, I've got a lot of respect for that decision. So I don't want to give him shit, but I have kind of been doing his job for him for a while. So yeah. Um, Hopefully he'll split his his earnings with me. Um, all that money all from that from money his from his happy. actual job. From uh, his actual job, he must give you half his salary. Yeah, if that is that a, is that an option? I'll take that. Well, anything's an option. I've if got you, a mortgage to pay. Know, mortgage to pay and a kid on the way. Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> Fuck Alex, you're so suburban. I am. Today I was cutting down trees from a uh, cutting down branches from a tree that bothered me. That's just... That's incredibly daddish. Yeah, it is. I, was, I even did it in my slippers. So. <laughs> <laughs> were, were, were you making, were you making like, uh, puns? Were you saying, ooh, this branch must leave? <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you have your dressing gown as well? No, the, my dressing gown is is um, used pretty much exclusively for when I, get, when I get up in the middle of the night to walk around the neighborhood and, and, shout, and shout at people for making too much noise. <laughs> I, I genuinely do that like it's it's well we have a dog that bothers us at night time it's been bothering us for about a month now and I get up sometimes at like one in the morning and I go walk around the streets trying to find out where it is I can't I still can't find it um, <laughs> so it's driving me Alex crazy. have you have you thought it, it might be your dog <laughs> <laughs> really would never do that she's she's with me right now and she's she's giving me a look that tells me it's not her I, I believe her. Um, okay, uh, I, I do think this is a kind of favoritism or the parenting books warn you about. Your child is flawed. It's a human, Alex. Oh, no, she's deeply flawed. She eats the, a ridiculous, almost obscene amount of hardy dash shit. Um, <laughs> and I, caught her on, I also caught her on the couch yesterday. So she she's definitely not perfect. But she doesn't bark. You know she doesn't bark, Ben. You've looked after her. True, I know she doesn't bark. She's trying to get on the couch right go. now. I'm watching her. She's she's, like, <laughs> she's thinking about it. Is, is she like trying to sidle onto the yeah. couch, or is she just blasting her way in? I think she thinks she can like by mistake fall onto it, fall upwards onto the couch. Uh, guys, <laughs> we have rambled on and on and on for far too long. Everyone, thank you for listening. Um, if you're still with us, I don't know why, but um, it is always a pleasure to have you join us for episodes of Elite Rugby Banter. We will be back. Next week, after the grand final, um, good luck to everyone involved. And for everyone else, I hope you cheer on the box. Um, our tagline spe- is, spe- we're not special as shout out as the English. Special shout out to Michael's dad. Yeah, shout Just out if to he Michael, does Michael's dad. Um, and yeah, gents, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Everyone have a great week. World Cup finals week. It's real. It's here. Um, and I, I just can't wait. So with that oh, um, being, being said... Uh, thank you again, and Ben, and with that, good night.